And this is the second, uh, this is the first time that I've ever had to preach the same message twice in three hours. So, um, but anyway, let me get where I need to be here. Um, so to give you a little background on the, the message, I'm a part of a little leadership training group that a couple of our church plants, uh, the pastors, uh, Pastor Rob Spencer and Pastor Robert Hampshire put on um, to just develop leadership. They in, uh, invite a few people from Calvary, a few people from our church plants to come and we kind of do these little uh, semesters together. And long story short, this is one of the final ones. And the challenge was, you know, we get to get up and speak in front of our peers on one of those nights on a favorite Bible story. Um, and that is very intimidating. I'm going to tell you, Rob Spencer should be a professor because he can critique very good. <laughs> uh, but... um. I don't really have a favorite Bible story, to be honest with you. Um, I like them all. <laughs> but I had heard a little quote, and I won't say what it was yet, but um, it got me thinking about the, a particular story in the Bible. Um, and my mind just started going with it. Uh, David and Goliath. 1 Samuel 17 is where we'll be this morning. But uh, to give you just a little bit of an intro before I read Scripture, obviously I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but you can get your fingers there. Um, the world that we live in does not seem to be slowing down. In fact, it's quite the opposite. It seems to be speeding up. The world I refer to is the culture. It's society at large. You know, um, I harped pretty heavily this morning on... The fact that we all walk around with pocket-sized computers now. Um, our minds never turn off, you know, with much trust that if we were to, when we turn them back on, we'll feel refreshed. So we just do what comes natural and we just leave them on. You know, it's hard in this culture to learn how to slow down. It's really hard. You know, we don't want to get left behind. I mean, 24-hour newsreels. <laughs> you know, if there's one thing we learn from the news is that fear sells. <laughs> and it sells well. People are paranoid about tomorrow. Paranoid about tomorrow. Um, it's a fair statement to say that while Mayberry and Dorothy's Kansas were fictional places, I think we all agree as a state of mind we're not in Kansas anymore. Or front porch sitting with Andy and Barney, right? So I think one thing, one thing that I took away is we're distracted. We're, we're distracted people. We're a distracted culture. We're, we're, we keep our hands busy all the time, which that's not always a horrible thing, but it's, it's becoming an art on how to slow down. So one, we're distracted. You know, the information is coming into our personal realities at a rate that is almost incalculable. So, so much information, so little time to digest it until it's on to the next one. Um, you know, I, I'll admit, I'm kind of the, depending on what you look at, you know, I'm the point of the spear, but 
millennials are the, leading the way as the most stressed adult culture. Now, there's been some statistics that also suggest that the little guys that are coming up, that demographic that's coming up, are more, could be, you know, I don't know how you measure this stuff, but more stressed than young adults coming into society now. We are just, yeah, we're cramming. And for what? I don't know. But I think it's an achievement thing. I think it's uh, a fear of failure. Um, there's just so much that's going on in our lives today that can just distract us, cause us to get discouraged. You know, it's clear Christianity in our country is under attack like never before. For those of us who are old enough to remember what it was like to, and this legitimately, I kind of feel special now, but I was one of those kids that mom was like, hey, you better check in when the street light comes on. So mom just told me, you better check in with it. Uh, but I got to do that as a kid. And I'm not that old, but most of my growing up was, was pre-9-11, if not all of it. You know, a lot changed in our country. And, you know, it, all that to say it's discouraging, is it not? It's easy to get discouraged. Even as a Christian, it's easy to get discouraged. To see what... Nobody's foolish enough to think that at one point this country was all Christian and that everybody that was inside these borders believed in Jesus Christ, but morality was held at a higher level. And, and I mean, you know, if your children go to public schools, uh, mine do, mm. there's, there's great people in there that are fighting the fight for us. We have some in this church that go and stand in the gap and fight against this political correctness or this whatever, this inclusiveness, whatever it is, day in and day out that drives them. But it's still, ugh, kind of takes the wind out of you sometimes. So, I think we can recognize with that that there's a, a despondence, a, a depression, like... We're in this world, and we keep telling ourselves we're not of it, but we're in it. But yet everything around us as, as Americans want to push us and press us, and Satan wants to kind of go, I got your number now. And we get discouraged. And we, I think a better word would be despondence. But nonetheless, there's this tension, isn't it? We're going to read an old story, one that you know well. And all I'm going to do this morning is put the main thing, the main thing. And I hope that it will also help you see what the main thing is in your life. So, 1 Samuel 17, I'm going to kind of walk, this morning I tried to walk through it a little bit, and I'll, until I get to the verses that I want to read, because... <laughs> It take me a long time to read. <laughs> but we have a battle that is stalemated. You have the Philistines on one side. You have the Israelite army on the other side. There's a great valley, and the Philistines have a really big dude 
on their side. I mean, he might be ugly, but he's got a body. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's got the armor. He's got the height. He's got the strength. He's a man's man, and he's standing over there going. Come get it. And he's taunting Israel. And Israel over there, the, the promised people are on the other side of the valley going, no way, man, I'm not going out there. I'm not going out there. Goliath is who this giant's name is. And he keeps saying, you come on out here. You send your best out here. You come get it. And if you beat me, we'll serve you. But if I beat you, you are our slaves. Come get it. And Israel is shaking in their boots. If you remember in chapter 16, if you don't, I'll try to fill that in a little bit. Samuel goes looking for the anointed one. You remember that? And he comes to the house of Jesse. And these strapping brothers start coming in one by one. And Samuel's like, oh, it's got to be this one. And God goes, mm-mm. It's got to be the other brother. Mm-mm. I know all of them handsome, ready to fight, ready to lead. Saul-esque, if you will. And then they bring this, I'm paraphrasing, but they bring this little shepherd boy in from the field. Well, there's one more, but I don't know what you would want him for. And he steps in front of Samuel, and Samuel goes, This is him. And what happens? He's anointed. But what's interesting is he's anointed, and what happens after that? The next leader of Israel is back in the fields with the sheep. He's not doing anything special. He's just working his father's land, tending to his sheep, probably trying to figure out, what does this mean? And his father calls to him. He says, I want you to go to the battlefield. I want you to go take supplies to your brothers. I want you to go and I want you to bring good cheer, if you will. Bring a report back. Let me know what's happening. Give them supplies. Give the army, the leaders supplies. Go. Yes, sir. Okay, takes the supplies, leaves the herd with somebody else and heads to the battlefield. And we pick up in verse 24. When all the men of Israel saw the man, they fled from him and were greatly afraid. The men of Israel said, have you seen this man who is coming up? Surely he is coming to defy Israel and it will be that the king will enrich, enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Then David spoke. Now remember, he's just running up in the middle of everybody. He's like, hey, where's my brother's at? And he's, he goes, What? He hears, hey man, what? Then David spoke to the men who were standing by him and saying, What will be done for the man 
who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? Listen to his answer. And takes away the reproach from Israel? And he says, For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that that should taunt the armies of the living God? I want you to note something first. David to this point was what? He was just available. He obeyed his father and he went to the line to check on him. This fellow wasn't even really going to fight. That statement gets back to Saul and Saul says, bring him to me. Bring him to me. And he comes. And they're standing there. He's like, boy, what am I going to do with you? How, I mean, are you seriously going to go fight? And long short of it, he says, I want to go. Saul says, send him. So what do they do? You know how the story goes? They suit him up. And like I said this morning, he was so heavy with stuff, he couldn't get out of his own way. This wasn't going to work. So he took the armor off. And what's he pick up? Five stones. He puts those five stones in his pouch. He's ready for combat. Y'all come over to verse 41 with me. So the Philistines come on, the Philistine come, came on and approached David with the shield bearer in front of him. You know, it's still kind of funny to me. You know, you think about that. Like David shows up and he's just in his farmer clothes, got his sack over him, you know, you know, got his stones, like got his little slingshot. It kind of reminds you of Opie or something. He's just kind of walking up, you know. And Goliath is moving forward and advancing to him with a shield bearer in front of him. I mean, this guy's ready to fight. He's ready to do this thing. He's chomping at the bit. When the Philistine, when the Philistine looked down and saw David, he disdained him. For he was but a youth and ruddy with a handsome appearance. So, you know, ruddy, like you know, a few sprigs there maybe. He was trying, but he couldn't get anywhere. He, he still had a, a, a youthfulness about him. And the, Philist, the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog? That you would come to me with sticks? And the Philistine, the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And he also said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds and to the, to the, the beasts of the field. Basically, I'm going to feed you to the pigeons, boy. We're going to have this taken care of quickly. Then David said, You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you up into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. And I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. And that 
All this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hands. Mm. That'll preach, won't it? Now you hold that thought. The problem with our culture today, and especially in Christianity, is we're doing something that is not God-honoring. You hear sermons all the time that says, What are your giants? Defeat your giants. Have courage like David to defeat your giants. Stand and face your enemies. I mean, we are hearing this, and I'm paraphrasing, and I look for titles, and there are so many that it's just. It's constant. Their speakers are, preachers are trying to empower you to learn how to defeat your giants. And the whole picture of this in Scripture is being missed. And I want to bring us back to it. This is a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are not David. I am not David. We are the Israelite army. We've seen God do so many things, but I don't know if he can do this one. And like I said this morning, if this was a method to fighting... Why didn't David just keep his sling and his stone with him and just fight all his battles? This guy was a warrior, right? We read a lot of, of you, we know why he couldn't build the temple, right? Because God had called him to be a warrior leader. David fought. This story is a picture of Jesus Christ. David in this story is Jesus Christ. You're not going to figure out how to fix your problems. You're not going to figure out how to get the right equation so that you can conquer your giants. And I encourage you to remember that everything that we do and everything that we are is centered around Jesus Christ and what he did on that cross. I think what I fear the most is that when we move from worshiping God and what Jesus Christ has done for us, we begin to adopt this false Christianity. 
I want you to dwell on this today. Jesus paid it all. That Israelite army and that little shepherd boy that was not supposed to be the one that would conquer this Goliath walked out there and conquered Goliath with one stone. Jesus Christ conquered sin, death, hell, and Satan with one fell blow, did he not? We have to get our perspectives. We're walking around depressed, discouraged, not sure what to do with ourselves, can't plug in, don't know how to rejoice and be happy as believers, even when the world around us is crumbling, because we believe that it's up to us to figure it out. Redeemed. It's already been figured out. So when you rest on what Jesus Christ has done, help will come, will it not? This morning I said, what are the two hardest things it is for Christians to do? Pray and read their Bible. There's other things, but pray and read their Bible would rank up there because we're all called to do it, are we not? David fought in the name of the Lord and for the glory of the Lord, whose name and glory will be extended to the uttermost parts of the earth, to all the nations. You see, David was just a shepherd boy. God chose David. Remember that. And then David went back to the fields. And he honored God by working his hardest that he could for his father to tend the sheep. Remember, this dude was so committed that he ripped a, a, a little baby lamb out of a bear lion thing. You know what I mean? Like he did it a couple times. Like, like you can't have that. That's mine. Is that not a picture? Bear, you can't have that lamb because that lamb's mine and I'm going to keep watch over that lamb. And then David's father says, go to the battlefield. And David was so in communion with God. If there's anything David did, if there was anything that David exuded in this thing that would bring him some notoriety, he was just obedient. He went to work every day. And he was just obedient. And when he walked to the battlefield, and he gets in amongst these, these scared-to-death Israelites, and he hears the taunts of this Goliath, he goes, Oh, no, 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 no. No. Who is it that defies the armies of God and taunts the living God? He was ready. When you submit your life to Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. 
you are now ready to wait on God. To be faithful where you're at. To be ready for whatever comes your way. So that when the giant shows up, you're ready to fight. In Christ. This beautiful Old Testament story points to Jesus and just amazingly and virtually impossible at the same time as they seem. It shows God's love and provision for his people. I am asking you, don't try to conquer your giants with some kind of something that you can, well, if I just don't get angry, if I just don't get upset, if I just, woosah, woosah, and implement all these little things in your life that you think are going to give you something. You want victory? And I said it this morning as well. And I don't even really know if it is. It just sounds good. The opposite of depression. Humility. Humble yourself. And when you humble yourself, it's a lot harder to be depressed, isn't it? Because you know what God has done for you. What happened after that giant went down? And David pulls out his sword and goes, Well, the Israelite army took off like leopards and chased the Philistines down. I'm going to close with this. Brothers and sisters, it's there to remind you that you do not need to fight your Goliaths. They've already been defeated. Humble yourself and cling to that victory. We are more than conquerors in Christ. Philippians 4.13 The place I worked for when I got there there was an old man. He was 70 years old when I got there. And I've been there about 14 years now. His name, I called him, just his name was Branch. But everybody called him Mr. Branch. And he taught me everything that there was to know about this job. And it wasn't much, but he was dedicated. And every morning I'd get in the truck with him, and he was, we were delivery drivers. And he was teaching me these runs, and they, we were had some in places that were really heavy, 70 years old, and this guy just went like crazy. And we would go out and we would make deliveries. Before we would leave, we'd pray. I thought, man, this is really cool. I mean, I soaked him up. I mean, you know, I didn't really have that in my life, and I just went to him like a bee to honey. And he taught me all kinds of stuff. But at the end of the day, when we had finally finished everything, his wife stayed at home and on a napkin in his lunchbox she would write him Bible verses on his napkin and a little note and 
one of the one of the main Bible verses was always Philippians four thirteen, and he'd pull it out, and before he you know he'd have his little cookie and his Mountain Dew sitting there, and he'd pull it out, and he. He'd look at it a minute, and he'd study it, and I'm like, you done seen this thing a thousand times. Like, you know, you think you would know it by heart. And he was like, yeah, he'd sit there and look a little longer, and he'd turn and he'd say, I can do all things through Christ Jesus through who strengthens me. And boy, did we need it today. And he'd ball it up and wipe his mouth, and he'd throw it in the trash can. <laughs> and it was one of those things where it's something as simple as being in that truck and delivering cardboard boxes, he excelled at it. And people loved him for it. And he showed me how to love Jesus just where I'm at. And that's what I'm trying to encourage you today to do. If there's any encouragement that I can give you, it's this. That story of David and Goliath, I hope and I pray... I didn't articulate it as well as I wanted to, but that you will forever see it as what Jesus Christ did for you and for me. And that you remember that that victory has already been won. You don't need to be depressed. If you humble yourself and you pray and you keep the word open and you remind yourself of what's been done for you, do you see how glorious these Old Testament stories were and the victories, the walking in the fire? The lion's den. And you go, oh my gosh, this is so impressive. In that moment when Jesus Christ hung on that cross and said, it is finished. It would take all those Old Testament stories times a million to show the victory in heaven. On your behalf and my behalf, Christian. So, Pastor Honeycutt, you want to come up? As we close, I'm going to say this. I'm asking you if you're a Christian this morning and you need to humble yourself before your Lord. What made David so effective in that moment, if anything at all, is that he remained humble and he was ready to be used. Humble yourself. There's a whole lot of real estate right here. I encourage you to come forward. I encourage you to bow your knee and talk to your God. That's what I encourage you to do. If you do not know the Lord and you feel as if there's something that you're missing, I encourage you not to walk through those doors until you've gotten right with God. Because He searches you out. And he drops the scales off of your eyes. And he tells you, I love you and I choose you to do big things for me, through me, for me. It may not be big and glorious to the world. You may never have any recognition the way you think you might. But humble yourself, Christian. And God will use you for his glory. He has promised to do that and he shows us that over and over and over again.